Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. In Jesus' name. Tonight, the book of Revelation, this is session 63, entitled The Forerunner Ministry. And what we're going to do in tonight's session is we're going to skip around a little bit uh, because I, you know, we, we did a whole Bible school course on this subject, on the foreigner ministry. So to try to cram it into one session <laughs> on a Saturday night, and, it's, and they're, they're short, it's like 30, 35 minute teaching. This is, it's a bit of a challenge. And so rather than me uh, try to only use Revelation Bible verses tonight, I'm going to uh, give us one core passage from Revelation, but I'm going to develop this concept uh, a little bit uh, uh, more broadly from the Word uh, because it's such an important subject that we understand. And uh, it's one that's deeply rooted in the book of Revelation, but to understand it in its fullness, I think we would do well to journey a little bit beyond Revelation tonight. And so uh, kind of just, just starting off in an extended series uh, on the book of Revelation, to not do a session on the forerunner ministry would be criminal. Uh, it, it is a, such a profound, important part of eschatology. And uh, while the word forerunner isn't found in the book of Revelation, uh, the, the importance in the concept certainly is. Uh, you know, really, the book of Revelation is the forerunner book, really. Because even verse 1 of the book of Revelation tells us the entire book of Revelation is to prepare the church for what's coming. I mean, that's, that's what forerunner, the forerunner ministry is. I gave you Revelation 1.1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So the book of Revelation is given to the church to show us what will come in the future so that we can understand what's coming in the future, so that we can prepare for what's coming in the future, so that we can proclaim what's coming in the future. That's... I'm adding a little bit, but that is absolutely the intent of Revelation 1.1. So then that means the entire book of Revelation is for foreigners. The entire book of Revelation is the revelation that the church at the end of the age must have more than a uh, barely, uh, if at all, knowledge of. I mean, the church has got to, to go deep in this subject. And so uh, I called it the forerunner book there because I just think it's, that statement in itself should be enough to merit a whole session on the subject. Uh, just Revelation 1.1 1, 1, uh, being what it is. Now, to talk a little bit about messengers making ready. The subject of a messenger becoming a messenger. Uh, you're not a messenger just because you got a t-shirt or because you went to the school. You're a messenger if you've got the message in you. And you know how to, you understand it clearly enough that you can communicate it with clarity, and then you do communicate it with clarity. That's what a messenger is. And so uh, the objective of the foreigner ministry is all about having messengers in the, at the end of the age that understand the hour that they're living in and can be communicators in all sorts of spheres, but can communicate the hour that they're living in with clarity. And you just don't get clarity in a, in a fly-by-night sort of a way. Clarity takes time and intentionality. And so I just put on here part B, having the revelation of the end times, forerunners must know the story. 
Forerunners must know the story. I mean, it's, it is essential. It is unthinkable that a forerunner could be a forerunner that does not intimately understand the storyline. What is it that they're forerunning? Oh, there's a forerunner. I went to the forerunner school. That doesn't count. You have got to intimately understand the story or you cannot be a forerunner for that story. I mean, you can't even be a half runner, a tail runner for the story. You've got to know the story. So to go before, to be a forerunner messenger, you've got to intimately understand the storyline. I mean, I just can't stress that enough. That is the most important concept related to the forerunner ministry is an intimate knowledge of the generation and of the storyline. Well, an interesting thing, well, I, I got to throw this in there. Uh, you know, in a minute, the subject of leadership is going to completely shift. I want to say that again. I want, I want everybody to catch what I'm saying here. In a minute, in, in a decade, in, you know, 10 years, 20 years, who knows the timeline? It's a minute. It'll pass in just a moment. In a minute, the subject of leadership is going to completely shift, okay? You know, when, when World War II came, those that knew how to navigate war were the most important people on the planet <laughs> because World War II was all-consuming. And if you happen to be a World War I vet, you had a great place and a great role to play in World War II, day one, because you understood what was the landscape of the hour. You could think about transitions in business. You know, think about, uh, you know, as soon as internet technology, Wi-Fi technology, all the things that shifted culture and shifted society and shifted business, think about how quickly those that understood that world rose to places of prominence in business and in leadership realms all over simply because they understood the key components of a whole generation. They understood what was happening. I want to tell you very clearly the subject of leadership is going to completely shift in a minute. Those that understand the end times will be the only people that make any sense and have any value. <laughs> in one minute, the people related to leadership, I mean, every human being has value, but the subject of leadership, you're going to go, I'm really great at this and this and this. Who cares? That's not what planet we're living on right now. The only thing that's going to matter in a minute is those that have intimate understanding of the story that all of mankind suddenly falls into and is now living in the midst of. So I want to say this clearly. If you prepare in secret, the Lord will promote you openly. A time is coming when those that understand the hour that we're living in, those that have clarity about eschatology, will make more sense than people who know how to, you know, navigate technology, people who know how to navigate social media, people who know how to turn, you know, nickels into quarters and quarters into dollars. The people who understand the hour that they're living in will make more sense and there'll be greater demand. They will rise to leadership in the earth in just one minute. This is the forerunner calling. And so it's important that there be people that are preparing in that secret place. And, and when I say secret place, I, I don't mean no one can know you're studying. People would know you're studying and not care. People, all they'd be irritated with is that you're not out with them doing whatever they're doing. 
because you're busy at home studying or something. I mean, that, that would be the only irk that would be in their uh, mind or thought process. So when I say in secret, I, I don't mean that no one knows you're doing it. No one would care that you're doing it. And that's part of the problem because we are a culture that is addicted to the praise of man. And there is no praise of man studying the end times. No one knows or cares. No, everybody thinks you're bizarre. Now, let me tell you what's really an interesting deal here. It is a real um, ache, and I, I can't, uh, I don't want to downplay this, and I'm just telling you tonight, I'm going to go long. I feel this message, it is important, so just buckle in, okay? This message is essential that you understand and that you're good enough, you've got enough clarity at understanding, you can call others into understanding. This is essential. Here's what happens. Preparing behind the veil is painful. Here's what I mean by that. You're gonna, if, you, if you give yourself to the forerunner message, if you give yourself to preparing, you're not going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And you're not really supposed to yet because it's before. It's ahead of time. It's, it's you know, the, the, the preparation work that's happening before. It's Noah building a big old boat. It's never rained before. What is a boat? Why do you have a boat in the middle of the land? Why is it so big? It doesn't make any sense. It's the most bizarre looking thing ever. It's the most foolish thing ever. But Noah was actually the smartest human on the planet building what would be necessary for what would be reality for 100% of the planet in just a minute. But he looked foolish. It's not about looking foolish or not looking foolish. I'm, I'm not trying to protect your pride. I'm trying to protect your don't quit. Because the longer you go believing that it's going to rain building a boat, the more foolish you feel with the hammer. The longer it goes on. And if Noah, just pay attention to this, if Noah would have quit building the boat, Noah would have died too. <laughs> if Noah just be like, ah, oh, I'm so tired. I've spent so many hours, months, years. I've spent so much of my life building this boat. I'm done building the boat. I'm going to go do something that makes more sense to me. Noah would have died. And the Lord would have just started all over. <laughs> and we, we, with nobody, but he just started with a new Adam and Eve, I guess. I mean, we need to understand this. The forerunner ministry is the most veiled, the least praised, and possibly the most important ministry on the planet in that hour. I mean, you use the idea of Noah, and no one would argue that Noah had the most important ministry on planet Earth in his generation. No, I mean, no one would even come up with number two. Like, what, what would be second to Noah's ministry in that hour? Nothing. It's like that. It's like that. The problem is, it's Noah building a boat. It's never rained before. Everybody's telling Noah, this doesn't make any sense. His own soul is saying, this doesn't make any sense. And the Lord... He's, he's fun. He's funny. He doesn't show up every day with a burning bush moment for the Noahs. He shows up rarely, on rare occasion, and he says, this boat thing really matters. And then it's years or decades before he says anything again. And you've got to go off the last burning bush moment. The last time you heard the message and it burned in your heart, you went, that's Jesus. That's the Lord. That's truth. I'm going to anchor myself to that truth. That's plumb line. 
You got to have those sober moments. You want to make much of those moments. When you have a setting moment, and I'm praying it happens tonight for many of you. When you have a setting moment, you go, that's the word of the Lord. That is truth. And I'm going to align myself to that truth. You need to plumb line yourself so strong. You need to make commitments then. You need to get clear because the enemy will come and steal that out of your heart. Your own soul will accuse you, your friends, your mom. Everybody's going to go, why are you wasting your time building a boat? The forerunner ministry is built entirely behind a veil. And so therefore, because it's so despised, because it's so, it's so nebulous, it's so uh, uh, unclear, it's so easy to quit. But if Noah quits, there's no humanity. And I just want to say it really clear. The forerunners of the final generation can't quit no matter what horrible things happen in your life, no matter what disappointments come, no matter what problems come with the money. The forerunners can't quit or there's no boat. And God is commissioning forerunners in this generation to set their face like flint. And no matter what comes in their life, personal life, ministry life, business life, next door neighbor, no matter what comes, they stay steady. They were never in it because the circumstances were fitting. They were in it because they were called to be forerunner messengers. Because they heard the message and it made sense to their heart. And they said, this is right. I will align with this message. This is truth. And I just want to tell you, it will be tested. It's embracing a great commitment. I don't want to undersell it. It's a consuming reality for your life. To, to embrace the forerunner message, to say, I'm going to become a forerunner messenger, it will mess with your domestic tranquility. And in fact, if it doesn't, you're not doing it right. If it doesn't mess with your life, if it doesn't pull at your time and your energy and your money and your investments, what you say yes to, who you say no to, if it doesn't, you're not doing it right. It's all consuming. Just think about Noah. Hey, Noah, what's your job? I'm a boat builder. What else do you do? Build boat? How many are you going to try to sell them? Nope, just one big one. You're an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> See you tomorrow, building my boat. You, I mean, we laugh. But Noah didn't make any sense, most of the time not even to Noah. That's what you're signing up for, to be a forerunner. And if people don't, then there won't be forerunners in a decade or two or three from now. They won't exist. Now, I can guarantee you this, they will exist. Because people are going to hear messages like this, and one's presented with a lot more clarity than whatever I give out tonight. People are going to hear messages, and their heart's going to burn. Because they're going to hear the Holy Spirit saying, you're one of those forerunners. You're supposed to be one of those forerunners. And you're going to go, whatever it costs me. Because it's not about me. Who am I? It's whatever it costs me because it's for the kingdom of God. It's for the second coming of Jesus. It's for the preparation of the bride. We read Revelation 19. The bride has made herself ready. Do you know who outside of the Holy Spirit are the primary make the bride readiers? The forerunners, 
They're calling the bride to our identity. They're calling the bride into the lifestyle. But the forerunners will not be forerunners without great effort. They are forged in a furnace of difficulty, of obscurity. They are forged in a, in a furnace of saying no to many things and yes to a few things in a very deep way. It's a consuming reality. And they can't quit early. They can't quit. I, I just, I want to say something. I want to I mark us with this. I, I don't want to uh, tiptoe around the points that matter the most about the forerunner ministry. If I've got one night tonight, I'm going for it. I want to say it this way. A forerunner that takes 1,000 steps down the path and quits has forfeited everything they worked for. If they quit, then they're no longer a forerunner. <laughs> they, if they take 1,000 steps, take the step, take the step, take the step, and then divert course and stop being a forerunner, it doesn't matter that they took the 1,000 steps. You can't quit. You got to be in it till he comes. That's what forerunners do. Think about John the Baptist quitting a week before Jesus shows up on the scene. He spent all this time. He's prepared. He's read the word. He knows who he is. He knows he's a foreigner. He knows he's that passage, the one in the wilderness declaring the way. And then Jesus is a week away, and he's like, man, I had about 12 bad things happen in my life this week. You think? You think a forerunner wouldn't? have 12 bad things happen in their life the week before the, the moment? Of course you'll have 12 bad things happen in your life. Again and again, probably. And so John's like, nope, I'm done. Wasted. I want to be real honest about this. The forerunner calling is not the kind of thing you do for a summer. The forerunner calling is something you set your face and you go, I'll die on this hill. I'll die in this message. I will die in this lifestyle. I will die for this cause. This is very different than pretty much anything else. This is really intense. But again, in the hour where John the Baptist was proclaiming the message of Jesus, whose ministry on the planet was more important than John the Baptist's? In that moment. It's, it is the most important ministry, second only to Jesus, and it's the ministry that declares Jesus, so it's really his ministry. I mean, it's, the forerunner message is a really, really, really big deal, but it's also obscure, and the problem is, it's the thing that only shows up once in a million years that makes any sense. So of course it's obscure because last generation it didn't matter. Generation before that it didn't matter. Generation before that it didn't matter. Oh, now there's this thing called the foreigner ministry. It's the most important thing ever. And all our hearts and an entire culture accuse it and say, that's not real. It's not at all like what we've seen. It had never rained before. That's not at all like what we've ever seen. Therefore, it can't be true. See, the logic breaks down because it was in fact the most reasonable thing for Noah to spend all that time and energy and life and frustration and family issues. Can you imagine how many times his family was like, dad, stop already. Do something else. Go make some money and stop building a boat. So can you just imagine all the pressures and the tensions? And it was the wisest thing that could be done, not for Noah, that could be done for an entire generation the wisest thing. 
But because it didn't make any sense, it was so easy to despise. The foreigner ministry is this way. We've got to see it through. There need to be forerunner messengers that set themselves and let nothing, blessings, failures, difficulties, the devil, let nothing come against them in their continued pursuit for the forerunner lifestyle and message. Now, that can look different in every season, but it can't look not. It can look different. Things shift a little, move some things around. This season of life, got to change things, but it can't be non-existent. If it's non-existent, it's non-existent. The forerunner message, the lifestyle of the forerunner, it's essential that we set ourselves and we don't quit. And we stay the course. But it's asking a lot. No starting being a forerunner and then stop when life gets tough. Life will get tough. All right, well, the good news. God is more committed to this plan than we are, than we will ever be. Now, that doesn't mean if you as an individual start down the, the path that you are guaranteed to finish. That has a lot to do with you. What it does mean is God for sure will make sure there will be forerunners somewhere. There, there will be. There will be forerunners. The question isn't will there be. The question is who will they be? And that requires significant partnership. Look at this here. John the Baptist. Think about how important he was in his generation from God's perspective. Think about it from God's perspective for a minute. Nobody knows John, but God knows John. And God knows what John has been commissioned to do and what he's preparing him for. God is raising up John the Baptist. In God's heart, John is really, really important. Really, really matters. In the generation that Jesus first came to. Do you know Jesus is coming back? That's what the whole story is of the, second coming, of the, of the end times. It's all about Jesus coming back. Therefore, it's all about him coming back and there being a people that are being John the Baptist round two, like John the Baptist was John the Baptist round one. That there would be a people that understand with great clarity what's about to happen and are able to talk about it ahead of time. You know, it wasn't enough that John understood. It was that John understood clear enough to be able to proclaim it and call people to what was happening. This is the one whom God has sent. This is the son. This is the bridegroom. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. John had clarity about who Jesus was. Matthew 11, verse 10. It's going to be the same in the final generation as this. It's the same. Matthew 11, verse 10. This is the one about whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. This time, though, it won't be one. Think about how localized the people of God were in the hour of John the Baptist, the land of Israel. Now the people of God are all over the earth, and God has made it clear in the first coming of Jesus I actually want all humans, not just Jews. I want them all. Well, now there's people everywhere. There must therefore be messengers everywhere. Wherever there are people, there must be John the Baptists. That's what's coming. That is what is coming. Every people, tribe, culture, language, nation, niche of humanity, social class, there must be John the Baptists that are raised up that understand they are a different breed of human. 
their objective is different, their preparation is different, their lifestyle is different, what they do and think about it is different because they serve a very unique purpose in their generation. A unique generation with unique messengers. It's not like the other generations. Think about how different Jesus' generation was than the past 42 generations. I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ is on the planet. It's God. God's here in flesh. Who knew he even did that? Now he's here in the flesh and everything changes. Everything changes. That kind of a generation. It was one of a kind. There was nothing like it ever. I mean, even when Moses was around, it was nothing like Jesus being around. You can't compare a generation where Jesus is walking around on the planet to any other generation. And it's only happened once. Oh, but it's going to happen one more time. It's a unique generation. And it requires a unique messenger. The messenger that prepared the way that they prepared before, that prepared for what they were preparing for before, and that were talking about the things that they were talking about before, is the wrong messenger. That won't work. That guy or gal made sense in the last generation. That one wouldn't make any sense in the generation that the Lord returns. It's a unique messenger, a forerunner messenger that has been prepared specific to the assignment of the hour that they're going to live in, which is unlike any other generation. The closest you could get is John the Baptist, and even that won't work. <laughs> There's so many differences between the first coming and the second coming. The second coming is so intense. So even the one partial comparison that we have, John the Baptist at the first coming is a woefully inadequate comparison to what we're talking about. It is a unique generation that requires a unique messenger with unique preparation. That's just it. That's just the way it is. They're forged in the decades leading up. Now, I hope and pray we still have some of those. Decades. Some of you are like, man, a decade's a long time. I'll tell you what, I used to think it was. It's not anymore. I'm 40 now, I'm going to be 50 in one minute. And now I'll be 60 and I'll, if the Lord tarries, I'll be older than that. Decades pass so quickly. Decades are minutes. Here's the deal. The forerunners are prepared. They're forged in the unique pressures of the generation leading up to the coming of Jesus. So there's no other time in history that a forerunner actually could be forged because the uniqueness of the generation is actually part of the recipe that is used to forge the messenger to be prepared for the coming of the king. The forerunner messengers are forged in the generation. Now, they can still jump out of the pot. They can still bail. But it's the context, and it's an intense context. Some of the things that we've begun to see now, they're only the beginning of what's coming. It's only the beginning of the context. But whether we've got a pandemic or a war or a tidal wave or whatever we've got or don't have, locust plague, the crazy locust plague, whatever we've got, the forerunner messengers have to stay the course on being forerunner messengers, regardless of what's going on on planet Earth. Forerunner messengers have got to be set like flint to the assignment. They're forged in those decades. And they're promised. I gave you a few verses here. I'm going to read some of the attributes 
Most of these are either direct quotes or the essence of the verse. I'm on top of page three. These are details about who the foreigner messengers are. What are they? What are they about? These are quotes about them. <clears throat> I gave you the Bible verse references if you want to go look at them. Daniel 11:32. They are those that know their God. Forerunners know their God. Not about him. They know him. It requires a lot of time. That's part of the forerunner lifestyle. A lot of time. A lot of time with Jesus. They are those that will instruct many. The only way you could instruct many in this context is if you had much to say. If you had clarity about what you're saying, and then the Lord was actually anointing and promoting you as a forerunner in order for you to be able to instruct many. And many, you don't need to be thinking of many as some big number with a lot of zeros at the end of it. You need to be thinking of many as whatever sphere of influence the Lord gives you to instruct is many for you. Those who will lead many to righteousness. We've got to understand this. In the hour before the second coming, those that lead people to righteousness will not be your run-of-the-mill preacher. They will be those that have been forged. For those that are not ready, in the hour right before Jesus comes, the earth is going to be shaking like a snow globe and everybody is going to be off kilter. People are not going to have their balance. Good, godly men and women are not going to have their balance if they've not prepared for that hour. It's why Jesus said, watch and pray is the only way and only solution to be able to navigate the coming trials. That's the only way. Those who have the scroll open to them, those who understand the Lord's judgments, those who understand God's end time wrath, understand his wrath. Those who overcome persecution, overcome by their testimony, overcome captivity, overcome evil men. There's a lot of reality details about these forerunners that, that make them kind of like little s supermen, superheroes. They're like, they are going to be the leaders of the church in the final generation. And it won't have anything to do with what their degree was in. It won't have anything to do with who they associated with if their association was all they had. It will have everything to do with were they forged in the furnace? Were they forged as a foreigner messenger? And I am telling you, they will be the rarest, most sought after, most important ministers, whether male or female, young or old, in the earth. They'll be the only ones that have anything to contribute in that hour. Because it really won't much matter what else you know when everything starts hitting the fan. What's going to matter is what is happening and what does the word of God say about how we navigate it? Forerunners must understand the storyline. Basic premise of the forerunners. They're going to prepare the church. They're going to be a preemptive strike. <clears throat> we talked a little bit about this in a previous session where we were talking about all the demonic you know, principalities and everything else. The word tells us that the increase of wickedness is on the rise and will come to a point where it's just, it's life-consuming. The Lord is raising up forerunner messengers even before that wickedness hits its peak so that these forerunners are also forerunner light harborers. They're, they're those with torches. They're not just those <clears throat> that know the message. They're also those that are in living in righteousness in the midst of an unrighteous generation. Remember, one of the attributes of the forerunners is they will lead many to righteousness. Well, how would they do that if they themselves weren't righteous? 
They will be walking in righteousness, walking in the light, walking in truth. <clears throat> and that will be a preemptive strike. Because just imagine, imagine, I don't know, the only picture I can give right now. Just imagine if you've got a, a table and you've got a hundred matches that are all set there. And they're all burning, okay? And the enemy's thinking he's going to put a piece of wax paper over the table and completely destroy everything and completely cover it and engulf it with a piece of wax paper. But as soon as he puts that wax paper down, every one of those matches burns right through the wax, burns right through the paper. And the torches remain even though the veil of wickedness, the veil of deception and evil and pain and all that stuff is resting. The matches don't go out. The Lord's raising up matches right now. He's raising up forerunners as a preemptive strike, as a protective grace for what is coming. <clears throat> the forerunner messengers will get the message out. I gave you a, a few ways that can look to be vehicles of the message. Part D you want to get rid of the idea that a forerunner messenger is somebody with a microphone. That will be the absolute fewest people. And honestly, I don't even know that they're going to make the greatest impact. So don't look at microphone as that's what it means to be a forerunner messenger. Right now, maybe that's one of the few ways that we can like get things done. Things are going to shift. There's so many realms of the way that the forerunner message can go out. I applaud Luke Fredenberg for writing a children's book about the forerunner message. It's got the forerunner message all laced in there, and it's a children's book. That will probably make more impact than I ever will with a microphone. So don't think it's about holding a microphone. It's about getting the message out through one of a million different avenues. You ask the Lord how you're supposed to be used to get that thing out. I guarantee you there will be creative ways in the future. So it's, it's, not, about, uh, it's not about the microphone. It's about having the message clear enough you can communicate it. What a great example, Luke. You've got enough clarity on the forerunner message. You've been able to figure out a way to communicate it in story form to children. Bless the Lord for you. That is, that's it right there. And a thousand other ways that the Lord will give grace. Songs and art and dance and social media and everything. Everything. That's how we get the foreigner message out. It's not about microphones. Again, I think that will be the least of the ways that it gets out when we're finally in it. Small groups, being mom to the kids and dad to the kids. All right, so let's finally now get into the Revelation passage that kind of is our, our focal point here. Revelation chapter 10 describes the forerunner ministry. We're going to look at it here. Forerunners have to eat the scroll. You know what in the world is eat the scroll? Revelation 10, 1 through 11, and then a few verses into chapter 11 as well. Uh, bottom of page 4 if you're in the notes. <coughs> Saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. Lays open in his hand. And he gave a loud shout. In the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. The mystery of God will be accomplished. Go take the scroll. See, the mystery is connected to the scroll. Go take the scroll. Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, 
You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. I was told the Gentiles will trample the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. It's a great tribulation. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Okay, break this down just a little bit. Let's just look at a couple of pieces. And again, it's just one message tonight. This could be at least 15. But one message tonight... I want to point out this subject, the, the idea there. I want to just go to the, you must now prophesy about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. You just ate the scroll. Now you have to prophesy. You have to proclaim it. You have to preach it. You have to communicate what it is that you just ingested. It says, take the scroll that lies open. Friends, I want to say it clear. Part of the reason that the subject of the end times is a bit nebulous and people are like, I don't really understand it. It wasn't time for the body of Christ to understand it. The scroll was not open in the hand. The scroll was in fact sealed in the hand, we're told in Daniel chapter 12. The end time revelation to a great degree was sealed and not accessible. Now there have been those over the years that have pressed in, pressed in, and the Lord will do anything for the hungry, a hungry and contrite heart, a humble heart. He will not deny. If you lack wisdom, ask. But generally, what has been made available, the end time revelation has been sealed. It lays open now in the hand of the angel. The revelation, the scroll is now open to the generation that's going to need it and experience it. It wasn't time for the church to give great focus to eschatology 100 years ago. It's time now. It is time to take the scroll, which is open. What is he told after he takes it? Eat it. You've got to eat it. There is, I don't know about you, you can't get any closer to that, closer to that paper than if you eat it. If you take a scroll and you eat it, you cannot be any closer you cannot be any more intimate with that scroll. You ate it. It is in you. It says, in my lips, in my mouth, it was sweet. The revelation of the end times is sweet. I will tell you as somebody who spent some time studying it, it is riveting. It awakens your heart. Things about the word of God make sense that never made sense before. Pieces of Jesus, names of Jesus, purposes of the earth. <clears throat> there is something about studying the end times, eating the scroll that awakens the heart, it's almost like you finally get to the end chapter in the book or the final scene in the movie. And it's intended to make things make sense. It's intended to wrap things up in your heart and give clarity and understanding. It is sweet in the mouth. It is sweet. And it's supposed to be. But the next step is it's bitter in the stomach. Bitter in the stomach, after digesting it, after, after chewing on it enough, after getting some revelation, you realize, oh my goodness, this message is related to great judgment and a God who is both kind and totally unmovable. And when he finally gets to the point of judgment, unmovable, and you go, well, that, that wouldn't be so bad, except the problem is, he says, now you must prophesy. Now you have to say it. Oh, but if I say it, people are not going to like me. Yeah, exactly. It's bitter in the stomach. You got it. Now you understand. It's sweet and bitter. I mean, it's, it's the original Sour Patch Kid, friends. 
you eat this thing, you digest it, and you go, the judgments of God are, whoa, whoa. Now you have to say it. Now you have to get controversial. Now you've got to take a line, draw the line in the sand and go, God is coming back to the planet and he's demanding some things. And it is not game time anymore. Now you've got to call others. You've got to call other believers to be forerunners. You've got to address them and you go, it's not enough that you live your nice little Christian life. We've got to get ready for the king. That's controversial. People don't want to hear that. People want to be able to live however they want and do whatever they want and then sprinkle a little Christianity on it. That's not going to work anymore. This, that was a couple generations ago, maybe. Probably not even then. But it really won't work now. And now you've got to get the message in you and call people and go, you got to, we got to do this. we got to become forerunner messengers. We've got to turn our lives to this message, to this man. It's the preparation for the second coming of Jesus. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again. It's the most important generation in human history with the most important ministry preparing for the most important moment. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than this. This is the absolute epitome of epic. This is the biggest. This is the most important. But when you start to actually say these words, then there come ramifications. Well, if you're saying this, then that means dot, dot, dot. Exactly. And that's where the trouble comes. Well, that means I can't just do whatever. That means I got to spend time. That means I actually got to react. means I got to actually know the story. Exactly. Well, that's going to take a lot of my time. Me, mine, me, my, my, I. Yeah, exactly. Your individuality is about to die because you're going to start living for another. And the other, by the way, is coming back to the planet. Let's get ready for his coming. But you will not accidentally get ready. You cannot haphazardly get ready. You have got to throw yourself in to the forerunner message, the forerunner mandate on a generation that we might become ready. What does it mean to eat the scroll? I gave you, Ezekiel had the same experience. By the way, there's only two times in all the word that somebody was told to eat the scroll. And both of them, are, it's the same subject. It's about the foreigner ministry. It's about prophets and, and people preparing for the coming of the Lord. And here's what happened. He was told to prophesy. He was being set as a watchman in his generation. He would carry and embody the message. He would have to stand firm in his life and in the message. He'd have to stand firm, even up against opposition. The message would be hard. He was not to fear those that he proclaimed it to. And the people, many, not all, will respond in anger. Maybe resentment is a better word. Resentment can sometimes be masked. I'm mad at you, but I'm smiling. Resentment, there is, there is resentment towards the foreigner message because it seems so robbing of freedom. Because it's calling us to something far greater and bigger and more important and bigger than ourselves. And so, yes, it's limiting freedom, not for limiting freedom's sake, but for focused sake, because you will not accidentally or haphazardly become a forerunner messenger. Consume the message and preach it. Listen, I'm going to leave us with this, and then we'll get into some groups here and talk. We want to be part of the solution. I mean, we've been doing this study long enough. We've at least got the kind of the basic framework 
of the end times and what's coming and the intensity of it. Probably everybody in here who's been tracking with us a little bit has got a little bit of the framework. Let me just remind us, masses will contribute to the great deception. Masses will contribute. And I want to say it this way, many will be well-meaning people that just don't know what they're talking about. Imagine all the well-meaning people in Noah's day trying to give advice to that generation. We need to be building more stuff. We need to be building cities. We, uh, guys, uh, you know, it's really tough in this area. We need to be making this better. Well-meaning people. Completely unhelpful. Totally distracting people from what matters. And then it will get even far worse from there. Deception will fill the final generation. Friends, we want to be part of the solution. Not a contributor to the problem. And I'm telling you, there will be so many godly people contributing to the deception. Because it, to have eschatology, to have clarity on the second coming is very different than being saved and loving Jesus. You can be saved and love Jesus all your life and have absolutely no understanding of his plan. And then when his plan is unfolding, all you have to lean on is what you know. And you will minister out of what you know. But if what you know is the wrong story, is wrong information, is not the right call for the hour, you're going to actually be contributing to the problem. There are going to be so many godly people who will be contributing to the deception. Now deception, I'm not talking just follow the Antichrist. I'm talking about use of time and energy rightly. There will be so much of that going on. You want to be part of the solution. Having answers when no one else does. The world's going to be full of confusion and despair. It's already started, but it's going to get so much more intense. And then after that, it's going to get really intense. And then after that, then we're really going to understand what the word intense means. That's what's coming. That's what your future is. And the future of your kids. That's what's here. There's going to be so much confusion and despair and no one will have answers to what's transpiring around them. No one will know how to respond. I mean, in general, the smartest people, the best dudes and gals are going to be clueless about what's going on. <laughs> what, what in the world? They're not going to have answers. You want to be one who has answers. The answers are right here. They're in the book. The answers are not so mysterious. They just take time. It just, you got to eat the scroll. You got to digest that thing. And it's going to take some time. It's a big scroll. It's 150 chapters of end time information. It's a big scroll. But you want to be one who's got answers in the midst of that hot mess. Leading others through the trouble. You know, I told you earlier, the subject of leadership is going to completely shift. The Antichrist and before him, the harlot Babylon and the culture of the day is going to continue to raise up and promote new leaders. Wicked ones, new leaders, those that will promote a wicked agenda, new leaders, those that are all about compromise, new leaders, those that will step on the purposes and people in this generation, the purposes of God in order to move the kingdom of darkness forward. The kingdom of darkness will be promoting the heck out of new leaders. So will the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will be looking for those that have understanding of the hour that they're living in, that know the story and know the trajectory, know what's happening. You want to be one 
who's able to lead others through the trouble, not just the great tribulation trouble. No one's going to be any use if the first time they ever tried to be helpful is the great tribulation. No one will be helpful. They'll be helpful at here, <laughs> and then here, and then here. That's how we'll be helpful here. So it's not even about being helpful in the great tribulation. It's about being helpful in the decades leading up to it if we have that long, and I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping we do. It's about having clarity to be able to help people through trouble with perspective, with reality. When the rain starts coming down, to be able to make sense to people and go, and they're all freaking out. What is this rain? Why is water coming from up? This is so weird. It's, there's, dude, my, my head has never had water fall on it. What is happening? To be one that goes, the Lord prophesied it's going to rain, and here's what we need to do. You want to be one who's got clarity, who can help navigate people through the hard times. It is time for focused living. That's what it's time for. It is time for focused living. There's a lot of things right now that I just want to tell you don't matter. Just doesn't matter. Well, everybody says it matters. My mom says it matters. My own heart says it matters. It doesn't matter. What right matters right now is we need to build a boat because it's going to rain. What matters right now is living a focused lifestyle. We need to gain understanding. We need to eat the scroll. If you're like, man, I don't even know where to start, we can help you with that. You're like, okay, I've already started. I don't know what next step to take. We can help you with that. You're like, I am so burnt out on eating this scroll. We'll put a little bit of extra honey on it and help you eat it. it right now... It is time to eat the scroll. We need to gain understanding because this prophet, this process is going to be different for each person. The way that one person gets understanding and the way that the Lord will use that person is going to look different than the person next to him. That's okay. We need to be on the journey together because here's what the Lord's doing. I believe he's doing two things that work in tandem very closely. Two things. He's raising up forerunner messengers and he's raising up forerunner ministries. And the reason I want to make those distinct is ministries equals corporate. Messenger is an individual role. Now, there's a lot of messengers being raised up in foreigner communities that the Lord is forging. I want to tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, whatever else we are, we are a forerunner ministry. We are, how many years have we been on the book of Revelation? And how many more is it going to take us? We're not going anywhere. We are raising up, as best as we can, the flag it is time to get clarity about the end of the age. Then individuals in our midst, and what it needs to be is no longer individuals. It needs to be those in our midst are gaining the revelation. I am a part of a forerunner community. I've got to give myself to the message. It's time to get clarity. The Lord is raising these up. The generation, the call on this generation. I gave you this, this uh, verse in Daniel chapter 12, and then we'll break up into small groups for discussion. Daniel 12, verse 4, and then 9. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll. It's the end time scroll. Until the time of the end. Roll it up until the end. Because at the end, then we're going to unroll it, and then they need it. Right now, Daniel, it's not time. Roll it up until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. I believe that scroll is open now. The clarity is available and will only continue to get more available. 
It's the generation, it's the time for the church to turn our eyes to Daniel 12 and, and watch the scroll being unrolled in front of us. It's time to turn our eyes to Revelation 10 where the angel holds the scroll open in his hand. It is time to eat the scroll. The church needs to look to the purposes of the generation we're living in. That's been the assignment for every generation of the church throughout all human history. It just so happens ours is different. We are living in a different hour. It is time to eat the scroll. All right, let's break up into small groups. So great question. How do you communicate urgency to a group of people, whether that's a small group, your family, a, a church environment, uh, how do you communicate this with urgency to a group that's not already thinking that this matters, that this is uh, forefront? I wouldn't. I'd get the message in you so clear that it answers itself and it comes out of you. Um, now, I think it's great to practice uh, because it shows you how deficient you are. Um, but your job at Stage one, two, three in this process is eat the scroll, eat the scroll, eat the scroll. You can't make sense to anybody when you can't explain it to yourself. You're never going to be able to make sense to anybody who is in opposition when you couldn't explain it to your best friend who's not hostile at all. It's like, so your objective, stage one, two, three, four, the early side of this isn't at all about trying to convince anyone. It's try to convince your own soul by eating the scroll. And as you get more clarity, you can then spill over sense to people. And furthermore, when you're spilling over sense, you will be perceived as someone who understands the subject at least a little bit, and then will come invitations for you to help us get this a little better. We're not really sure what you're saying. And again, you don't need to be thinking about saying it in front of a church, saying it to the four friends you're thinking of right now all at once because you made sense to one of them one time, not because you prepared for the make sense meeting that you're going to take them out to coffee and make sense to them, but because you've been eating the scroll so much, when you talk to them, it starts coming out. And then they start going, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute, you just made too much sense about that point you just made. What? Wait, what? Stop for what is that again? How does whoa, you're messing me up, man. And and that then is your first open invitation to get to tell anybody diddly squat. Um, so I would think that the 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 initial objective is not try to get this group or this family or this. You'll be able to get them when you make sense. And at least some. And and really in the meantime, that doesn't need to be your objective. Uh your objective needs to be getting clarity, and, uh, and, and that will be far more enjoyable of a process for everybody. I, I will tell you, if you go ahead and stick your neck out there early, you will get some opportunities for humility. Uh, 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 speaking of someone who stuck my neck out there early and often, <laughs> um, you'll get opportunities to, to be humbled. And uh, as long as you're set like Flint, that will only fuel you. But if you're not set like Flint and you think you are, it, it will be uh, turbulent waters that might actually cause you to quit. Uh, 
Oh, man, I've tried. I've done this for four months, and I still don't know that much. Talk to me after four years. Four months is nothing. Uh, you know, you might be a little discouraged that your investment has not yielded what you had hoped yet. A principle in the kingdom that I am uh, uh, painfully committed to. I don't like it, but I'm sure it's true. Everything in the kingdom costs more than you want to pay. <laughs> it, just, it just always costs more. <laughs> Clarity is not easy. It comes at a great price. And so is everything else of value. Um, and, uh, and so the Lord gives lots of things free, but man, when stuff in the kingdom has a price tag attached to it, it's always more than we're, we want to sign up for on the front end. Um, and, and that's just part of it. So I would say eat the scroll. Sure. All right, so the, uh, the question more or less is, and I'm going to rephrase it, and then you nod at me or shake your head. Okay, uh, but the, the question more or less is, um, in this generation, is the Lord calling all the church to be forerunners, or is the Lord calling just a few? And if it's uh, just a few, what does that preparation look like that would be different from everybody else? Um, can I get there that way? Okay. Um, so uh, first thing, it's the forerunner generation. I mean, I think Luke 21, verse 34 through 36 is the forerunner call. It just says this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. This is Jesus talking to the final generation. He's saying, 100% of you who are alive, you need to pay attention to me. Be careful or you're toast. Okay? So to the generation that he's going to return to, be careful or you're in trouble. Well, then as he said, what does be careful look like? Here's the answer. Be always on the watch and pray that you might be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Always on the watch and pray. I don't want to get into it right now, but that's the forerunner call. It's watch. It's know what the word says. Watch. Pay attention. Be prayerful. Be in a preparation. Be committed to him. That's the forerunner call. So it's to the generation. However, to the forerunner generation, there will be those that get the message a minute before everybody else. And I think right now, I'm, I'm just guessing, postulating, I don't know. I think we still have some decades. I am hopeful that that's the case. If it is, it would be his kindness to have some people now take this as seriously as a lot of people will later. It would be his kindness to have some people take this seriously now. And, uh, and so what does that preparation look like? Well, no one is going to be a forerunner that doesn't understand the message. But here's, here's the thing. Uh, just as a little uh, church trend transition. When I gave my life to the Lord in 1999, the subject of affectionate love for Jesus was not a predominant theme in worship songs. It was out there. It existed. But it wasn't a primary. The up-and-coming worship artists were not all singing that song, lovesick songs, intimacy. That was not the primary. It was majesty. It was holiness. It was, it was an, uh, an evolution out of the hymns that were very high praise in, in the focus on who he was. But now, lots and lots and lots of worship songs are focused on loving God and him loving us. And it's, it's a transition that has occurred in worship culture. And I've watched it since I got saved. I've seen that happen. Okay? I think a transition is going to occur where the 150 chapters 
are no longer going to be on the back burner, weird, uh, not understood, despised, uh, far away in, in the back corner of the church. I think the Lord is going to call his bride and go, hey, guys, it's time. Eat the scroll. And so I think we're living in a generation where right now we're kind of, you know, maybe still a little bit on the cutting edge, if you will, of like trying to study the end times. I think that's going to be old news in a period of time. Because otherwise, how could the church get ready for what's coming? I mean, there's just no way. But uh, so, so there's no way forerunners are going to get clarity without studying the end time scriptures. It is going to require significant investment. So while there are other points of preparation, and I want to encourage anybody that tonight you're like, oh, I want to get more on this right now. There's a 14-part uh, Bible course out in the lobby called uh, the Forerunner something. Forerunner Life, Forerunner Mandate. I don't remember. They're all so Forerunner. Uh, and there's a lot more and a lot of Bible verses. Uh, to, to be a Forerunner is going to require familiarity like deep familiarity with the end time scriptures. Uh, there are other components, but without that, the other components would make you godly, would make you a lot of things, but would not make you a forerunner uh, because the forerunners have got to understand the hour that they're living in. Yeah, so, so in the body of Christ, the Lord has called everybody to do something. We're all part of the body and each part is supposed to do its part. And when the body is operating the way that it's supposed to, all the parts are doing different things instead of every ministry looking carbon copy like the one next to it, okay? Uh, so when you've got a ministry, a church, a group, or whatever that's doing something like homeless outreach, and they've got a real strong calling on that, and then they find out about this whole forerunner message, forerunner calling, they come to a thing like this, their heart gets touched, they, you know, they go up to IHOP, they hear about the forerunner calling. Should they abandon the thing God called them to do, the outreach ministry, and now only focus on the forerunner. No, they're supposed to integrate the forerunner ministry into the thing God called them to do. It's not like these things are opposites. This is supposed to be milk on the cereal. Change the cereal to whatever flavor of cereal you want. It's the milk that goes in the cereal. This is supposed to be part of the way that we're supposed to be operating in this generation. It's not that there are some ministries that uh, need to have this focus. Every ministry needs to have this focus at varying degrees, with varying expression. but And I say every ministry needs to. I believe most ministries will in a period of time. Uh, and who knows how long that takes. So I would say the ones that are focused on this, 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 or this, they grow in the revelation of the forerunner calling, and they figure out how to work that into their discipleship, work it into their outreach, work it into their evangelism. Hey, friend, you need to give your life to Jesus. Why? Because he's coming back and he's going to pull a sword out of his mouth. That is the forerunner evangelistic message right there. You know, it's like it's, it is understanding of the hour that we're living in and then integrating it into every aspect and, and, uh, and part of the body of Christ and purpose. So, okay, so what are the most tactile, practical things that forerunners do to become forerunners or that forerunners do because they're forerunners? Uh, it doesn't get any more practical than eat the scroll. It doesn't get any more practical than commit thousands of hours to reading end time scriptures, dialoguing with the Lord about them, journaling them, cross-referencing them, reading them, pacing back and forth, having conversations about them. Thousands and thousands of hours. Now, you don't have to do that in a year. You know, do, plan that out over the next 15 or 20 if you got it. 
If we've got 15 or 20 years, plan out how you're going to spend thousands of hours eating the scroll over the course of the next, you know, 15 years or whatever. Okay, so that's the most important piece. Second would be at some point starting to actually talk. And again, I think it's much safer to talk with people that you've got relationship with one-on-one, not on social media, not on, you know, not in front of a church group that you don't have your eschatology clear and you just drop the hand grenade in there and it left all sorts of weird, you know, stuff in the congregation. You want to be having one-on-one conversations in a minute, working through your theology, having questions. Next point, I think a study like this, so there are other things out there. You could even go start something else. But I think studies like this where there's a a consistent long-term investment in dialoguing, learning, teaching, rehashing. Three years later, you've got more clarity on that message. Three more years later, you got even more clarity. I think these kinds of environments are essential for forerunners because you're hearing from others that are journeying the same journey and you're getting clarity and you're getting language and you're sharpening your ideas. And so I think the concept of conversations and a constant uh, diet at some degree, it could be once a month, once, you know, once a week, whatever. But I think these kinds of uh, environments are essential because it uh, expedites the process. And, and what I'm grateful for about this particular scenario that we do here is a lot of you have full-time jobs and families. And you're able to make this. It's inconvenient. That's the forerunner lifestyle is inconvenience. But you found a way to make it work in yours. And you're, you're able to be a part of this. So there's a great value to not just the full-time minister, like the professionals or something are the only ones that need it. Everybody needs it. So I think developing and participating in environments like this where there's a consistent uh, conversation about the end times is a, another essential reality. And then a lifestyle of prayer, you will never make it without a lifestyle of prayer uh, because it's so essential that you've got the spirit of revelation resting on you, that you're, you're in a posture before the Lord where you've got lots of time slated to spend with him so that if you do get an end time nugget that he wants to talk to you about, you've already got time in your schedule for him to put that, develop that in your spirit, dialogue with him, Bible reference, those kinds of things. If you don't have that time slated, it will be difficult when you hit those moments of clarity to actually be able to give the time to it. But if you've already got it allocated in your life because you've already decided I'm going to live a lifestyle of prayer, it will be uh, far more fluid and will happen more and you'll get more clarity. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.